preparations were going smoothly. I had just gotten the sleek, button-down, short-sleeved black shirt that I thought made me look mysterious. <laughs> Coupled with a silver necklace I got on my birthday, some white, off-white docker pants, and a pair of coal-on black leather shoes. In the words of a former spiritual director of mine, I look good. <laughs> or at least I thought I did. Then it happened. Suddenly, I heard my roommate shout, Daniel, Daniel, come outside, quick, quick. Your truck just got hit. Receiving bad news from your roommate is never fun. And for me, the realization took a while, beginning with the doubt that said, this couldn't be my car. No, that was someone else's voice calling for another day. Then, unfortunately, you see the body of the messenger, their eyes widening their face reddening, and their body moving more frenetically than yours because they are a mile farther down the road than you. But it's your car, not theirs. Then it happens, the steam-rolling awareness that begins the flattening of your ego. I remember walking out, of my, out, out my front door and seeing that my truck was no longer in the driveway where I parked it, but was rather several feet away down an embankment. I then saw the plumes of rising steam. Then a large station wagon whose front end had completely bashed in my driver's door, pushing it all the way into the middle of the cab space. There was the smell of burning tires and oil and as the image began to sink in, I remember the anger boiling from my hands, then up my arms, and finally into my chest, neck, and face. For several moments, though, the picture still seemed surreal, shocking, even comical. Today's parable of the debtors is more shocking than it is comical. Shocking, for it's hard to believe how the official did not see himself in the other official that owed him money. And right after he had been forgiven a debt that he himself had owed, no less. What blindness. What detachment. Prior to this, in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus speaks implicitly about ethical conduct. Whatever you bind on earth, bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then there is the emphasis on the beloved community and how communal prayers can have leverage when asking God for help. So the parable is still within an ethical frame, only requires more imagination because it is a parable. Jerome Berryman, founder of Godly Play, calls a parable a metaphor through which we wonder and live the question. 
In this parable, Jesus is getting us to wonder about mercy and forgiveness. What does it mean to be forgiving 70 times 7? I also, I will add, what context makes forgiving and mercy easier? Philosophically, we can map out the dynamic of what it means to be merciful by, by defining mercy by what it is not. The opposite of mercy is cruelty, ruthlessness, tyranny, and domination. It is the will to power, as the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche famously wrote. The will to power, according to Nietzsche, is the will to dominate and master oneself. But more importantly, and arguably, others, for requires a clear and distinct level of detachment, compartmentalization, and indifference. In dominating the other, we do not feel with or for the other. Their well-being is not our center, ours is. The will to power is equivalent to distance. And, a, and the great chasm-like space that is what philosophers call the subject-object split between ourselves and the objects and our people under our gaze. This is the I-it relationship that the Jewish theologian Martin Buber talks about because the other's body has been reduced to an it or a piece of equipment or tool that is the means for which I obtain my goals. To be an object for someone else's agenda is frequently the way of the world, and we see it in the history of war, work, white supremacy, patriarchy, and in the class structure. On the other hand, to be merciful and forgiving has us moving in the opposite direction. My first thought when thinking about mercy is seeing myself in the other person as if looking in the mirror. Desmond Tutu calls this idea part of his theology of Ubuntu. The way of Ubuntu literally means each individual's humanity is ideally expressed in relationship with others. Or, a person depends on other people to be a person. And the theology of Ubuntu is so needed in our Western world right now because it has become so socially fragmented and alienated. So we need to feel and be connected. In practicing Ubuntu, the experience of mercy and forgiveness is not something we have to traverse millions of psychic miles to get to. We are essentially in that space already when we are practicing the beloved community that is the church. Tutu says that by cultivating an environment of vulnerability, we are practicing against the culture of competition and the zero-sum game that elevates one group at the expense of others. In contrast, 
Ubuntu theology necessarily excludes competitiveness in favor of relationality and equity. Forgiving and showing mercy is so essential to what it means to be a Christian that it's in the Lord's Prayer. But I think it's the most foundational element of that prayer because it's the hardest to do. And Lamont says that earth is forgiveness school. And we can see that, and we can see why that would be the case given the fact that each of us is so different and diverse, shedding and revealing the infinite variety of life that is the divine shining bright through us. In this infinite spectrum of diversity that is humanity, as was said in Mother Mary Lynn's sermon last Sunday, we cannot help but disagree on some things. So getting into the practice of forgiveness and mercy is essential to being church. It becomes our gorilla glue, that mysteriously strong glue that holds our vast and shining differences at the end of our gospel reading, Jesus says we must forgive from the heart. And this is by no means easy, because it forces us to ask and pray for the Holy Spirit's help and entrance into our stuff. And this can be especially hard when you live in a culture that is so narcissistic, with its advocates telling us to always be assertive and just do it and pull yourself by, up by your own bootstraps. And the will to power is such an entrenched attitude, creating these huge blind spots that are the neural pathways assembling indifference in our brains. But it doesn't have to be like that. The beloved community that practices forgiveness and mercy and vulnerability is not unlike the community I witnessed on retreat last summer. If you were there, did you see it? Did you feel it? Did you feel it in the yoga room when our newly ordained and married priest, Heather Mom, led us to be more attuned to God in our bodies? Feeling how the Spirit could get us all together in the breath, while at the same time locate our identities, the God-fearing are or were before the encroachment of thought and feeling. As if these could replace our original being, which is never owned by us, incidentally, but owned by God. Or maybe you felt the beloved community in the swimming pool, where there was giggling and belly flops, cannonball dives, water splashing everywhere. Or maybe you heard it in the ooze and ahs distilled within discoveries of wayward, tiny frogs, or different and wildly colored butterflies that were seemingly ever presently near and with us while, while we were in the water. Wherever you felt the beloved community at the retreat, I'm hoping it felt like you were looking in the mirror, in the reflecting glass you saw brother and sister as if it were
in my truck. It was like being transported in time. The driver had been a young man in his 20s, very confused, but then very fearful about how I would react. I will tell you that when I saw the look on his face, I saw myself, and it brought all those negative feelings to an abrupt halt. In that recognition, there morphed inside me mercy and compassion I didn't know I had. Was it Ubuntu I was feeling? A shared sensation of feeling vulnerable? I don't know. I do know that any intention I had of taking this whole situation to court vanished. And all that mattered was that this young man who reminded me of myself was not hurt and that his father, who lived up the street, would be coming to pick him up soon.